If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. History abhors a paradox. When Raziel defied fate, changed the flow of history, and he left Cain alive, the world trembled under the weight of this change. A new future was formed. A new world to be discovered between them. Raziel is still borderline murderous with Cain, but he decides to part ways with him to see what this new world holds rather than tempt fates in killing him here. And Cain is supportive of this independence. They both have work to do and neither needs the other. But he tells him to remember that Mobius will still be at play against them, and he must stay strong of heart and mind to continue this path. He must be willing to always seek out the truth. Raziel decides to look around other parts of the stronghold that he couldn't access before, and he stumbles across Mobius, who looks oh, a little bit freaked out at his presence. But while he plays the part well, there's something very important to remember. Raziel exists outside of predestination. He has complete free will, and that's terrifying to Mobius, the Time Guardian, but Vorador does not. Kane does not. Raziel is a blind spot to Mobius for now, but not the others, and Mobius knows what Raziel is doing here. He was anticipating his arrival. He can see the ripple effects of Raziel's choices through other people, so this isn't that big of a surprise. And though admittedly interacting with him is a bit of a gamble because Raziel could get a wild hair up his ass and kill him, it's a bet that Mobius is all too willing to take. Mobius slides right into manipulation mode with him. Kane's your enemy, I'm your friend, remember who helped you get here, you're meant to be the savior of Nazgoth, and on and on and on and on. But these constant attempts by other parties to exert control over Raziel are just making him more and more resistant to anything they say, and rightfully so. It would be repulsive to anyone. It's so much so to Raziel that he's willing to abandon saving Nazgoth altogether if it means getting these people off his back. Raziel orders Mobius into the time streaming room, and he commands him to send him back in time to the Seraphim Crusades, just before the death of Janos Audrin. And, oh, so terrified and trembling, Mobius happily complies. Raziel is indeed thrown through time, but not back to the era of Janos, but into the future once again. Raziel emerges a century ahead into an era after the Pillars of Nazgoth have fallen. Due to the changes made in the past, history has been changed. No longer is Cain the ruler of the land as before. The vampires did not return to reshape the land. Instead, after the Pillars of Nazgoth fell, the Hilden demons returned to rule. Human resistances are still putting up a fight, but for the most part, this is just a lost cause. The Hilden have taken over. After Mobius was killed by Cain, after his journey killing the Guardians of the Pillars, Mobius was praised as a martyr and a hero, just like William the Just. So who knows what else is different now? Raziel believes that this was an attempt to strand him. Mobius is still technically dead, Cain is nowhere to be seen, and the Hilden have destroyed most of Nazgoth. Raziel doesn't know how to get himself to where and when he wants to be. He decides to venture into the mountains, back to the ancient vampire lands, to see if any changes in history have left something that can help him. Something related to Janos Adrin, perhaps. And who should greet him on the way out but the spirit of Mobius, once again appearing to play his poor old fool part, to manipulate and charm, to try and convince Raziel that he's just trying to help him by showing him the folly of his ways, convince him that Cain must die. He even plays the this is your fault card like a gaslighting ex that can't admit what a narcissist they are. Every lie is worth it if they can just get their way, right? That man never breaks character. Thankfully, Raziel has been paying attention, and he knows that Cain's actions, at least in the past, were just a ploy of Mobius. And all the things going on now are still yet games that Mobius is playing. It just, it's getting really tiresome and convoluted at this point. Even Raziel sounds tired. It would be hard to believe that Mobius has kept track of even his own plot. But to put a cherry on top, to really amp up the spicy attitude, Raziel doubts that Mobius is even a spirit. But he does have a way to check. Raziel gobbles up souls like him for lunch, so if Mobius wants to prove that he's telling the truth, he can just jump right into Raziel's weird, messed up mouth. Of course, Mobius flees, to no one's surprise, and finally, Raziel can go about his business. Reaching the Pillars of Nazgoth, Raziel acknowledges his deeper understanding of their importance and what their destruction implies. It's impossible to blame Cain for this anymore. It wasn't he that did this. It would have happened either way. In his original time, the old history, Cain was just the last one standing, the first to usurp power. He got lucky. Poor old Ariel, she still wanders the grounds, unable to pass on from this world. 
She's been here for a bit over a century now, but her mind is still intact. She mourns the loss of the other guardians of Kane's dark destiny, that neither he nor she could ever have what was by all rights theirs. Both cruelly denied a future and peace when Nefraptor's madness spread through the guardians. But to Raziel, they all acted foolishly, and they found out what their manipulations and ego would cause. She cannot cast blame on others because she too had a hand in all of this, something that she's not entirely willing to accept, and they have a bit of a spat over it. Ariel is willingly ignorant about the role she played in sending Cain after the other Guardians and the truce that she withheld as his role of the Guardian until the very bitter end. She still thinks Cain needs to die to restore the Pillars. Raziel is having none of her self-pity bullshit. She acted without mercy, without compassion, without consideration for others. She's just as guilty as Mobius for what's happening. When she really begins to wallow in her despair over it, Raziel decides that this is a lost cause. She'll have no answers for him. He leaves her in peace, alone with her assumptions and her judgments. He'll continue on to the mountains without the aid of anyone else. Passing through the old underground chamber where the pillars were founded, Raziel finds the Elder God who, strangely enough, seems to be absolutely thriving in the mass death and chaos that the Hildens have inspired. Weird that it would be so healthy. And it sort of looks like the Elder God itself knocked out the base of the pillars. Why would it do that, one must wonder. Wouldn't it be irony, Raziel wonders aloud, if the great adversary of the vampires turned out to be the biggest parasite of them all? This thing that lurks below is a cancer on the world, and Raziel has no respect for all of its bark that has no bite. The best it can do is tell Raziel to go away and be a tool. A tool that belongs to the Elder God! But, well, no sense in arguing with it. Raziel just moves along, just hoping that this will be the last time he has to see this thing. Back in the wilds, Raziel comes across something that he saw far in the past within the swamp, a time-streaming device door. He couldn't access it back then, and he still can't now, but this is an unexpected bit of luck. It's still intact, still untouched, and if he can find a way in, then he has a way to reach through the time currents again. He continues north, towards the mountains, and finds an abandoned village that he recognizes. It was said that Janos Audrin himself terrorized this place and left it destitute, and if true, then his lair won't be terribly far away. That proves accurate when Raziel finds old architecture and a balcony that cannot be reached by unwinged beings. But the structure is destroyed, it's collapsed upon itself, it's just rubble. There's no way Janos could still be here, so perhaps he's failed, perhaps the old stories were really just rubbish. But with no place else to go, Raziel decides to make it into the old stronghold to investigate. Oh, good Christ, it's Kane. What now, and how did he get here? Well, he's not really here to offer much, just a couple of insights. Forces are being gathered to take them down here, so Raziel needs to be careful, and Kane reassures him that he is on the right track in his thinking. Raziel does need to find Janos, but, well, that won't be possible in this particular time. He needs to go back farther. But how he goes about doing that is his problem. There are other vague things that he says about Mobius being a puppet, great dangers awaiting them, history will not accommodate irritants and more paradoxes, they must both be careful. And then once again, the two part ways. Just beyond, within the canyons, is another ancient temple housing a forge for the Reaver. Within are murals telling more tales about the Ancient Ones and their war with the Hilden, their terrible blood curse, but Raziel can't quite see how all these many convoluted pieces fit together. At least not when it comes to Cain's fate and Mobius' ambitions. How everything links, if they even do. This place is a huge pain in the ass to get through, but within the Temple's Forge is the elemental power of air. Convenient. It will let him send out powerful blasts of air that can throw open doors or walls that are compromised or cracked. And that time-streaming device door was particularly difficult to open and particularly old. Maybe he could just blast his way in. Returning to the swamp, he puts the theory to the test and voila! One perfectly in-order time-streaming device is now accessible. This was a nice little detour, but there's another place in time that he needs to be seeing too. He doesn't really know how to set up the machine, and he can't tell what era it's attuned to, but well, no sense in thinking things through too much. Raziel activates the device and sees where fortune lands him. Well, to cut straight to it, it lands him precisely where he needs to be, at the height of the Seraphim Crusades. But while Kane once dismissed the outlandishly coincidental as fate, Raziel acknowledges that this is just far too convenient, but at the same time, what's he gonna do about it? He may still be under someone else's manipulative control, namely Mobius or Mobius's master, but what other option is there? All he can really do is just act with care. Janos Audrin is his goal and he'll stop for nothing, but the sight of the Seraphim's victims, old vampires that were totally innocent of wrongdoing, is so chilling to behold. 
Though Cain and his old kin were monstrous, these people were not the same. They didn't deserve to be wiped out. It's a grim reminder of his own past and what was lost to the world. The Seraphim and vampire hunters of this age still roam nearby settlements and roads that, in the future, were desolate and rotten. But so too intact in this age is the old home of Janos Audrin, high above the reach of the common man. It's impossible for even Raziel to reach him, so he goes under it. Through the lake, there are doors that Raziel can access, which lead up into Janos' sanctum. It's one hell of a climb, but when he finally reaches the top, he finds the doors are open to whoever may approach. It's a comfort to Janos to hear someone call to him without contempt in their voice, and he recognizes Raziel, though his ghastly visage is a surprise. He knows the human form of Raziel, not this wraith being, but he recognizes him and he offers him kind understanding. Along with a new bit of knowledge, there were not just nine guardians of the pillars, there was a tenth, guardian of the reaver, Janos Audrin himself. That humanity has all but forgotten the rich history of Janos's people and their role as the Guardians is a great sorrow to Janos. He tells Raziel a bit more about the Pillars, the dilemma of the vampires being unable to reproduce after the onset of the Blood Curse, and how humanity usurped the vampires when the time was right for them. The terrible irony of the Vampire Purge taking place is that humanity was killing their own safety, their own keepers. They're slitting their own throats with each life the Seraphim take. Truly a tragedy in motion right before their eyes. Raziel realizes how much Janos has had to endure and suffer through to be here now. But despite it all, Janos doesn't hate humanity. He doesn't harbor resentment the way Vorador does. He thinks humanity is pitiable and oblivious, not the monsters that they seem to be. They're driven by fear. They're looking for a boogeyman. When Raziel laments his role in all of this and how he can't deny his role as some sort of savior, Janos approaches it with a calm rationality. Raziel has been dealt a rough hand, but he's made it this far, and he's passed so many cruel tests in this journey. It's okay to view everything with a calm benevolence. Not everything has to be a war against someone or against himself. You know, just, just chill out, man. Janos leads Raziel to where he safe keeps the Reaver, and he freely offers it to him. But a deep dread began to creep into Raziel as soon as he saw it. He felt like he had to take it, yet he was terrified of it. It was the most palpable fear that he'd ever felt. It took everything in him just to beg Janos to take it away from him. But a terrible pounding at the door breaks up any further conversation the two could have had. The Seraphim followed Raziel into the sanctum. All they had to do was follow him up to reach the fiend Janos. And they brought with them the staff of Mobius. Janos does not wish for the Wraith to intercept them on his behalf. He demands that Raziel saves himself, and he sends him away from the study. Just beyond the door, where Raziel now safely roams, the sounds of Janos' screams echo as the Seraphim descend upon him. Raziel cannot change that this being that he so quickly came to respect is meant to die at the hands of the Seraphim. What makes that so bitter is that he's the one that led them there. And he can't get through the door between them. There's a magical element needed to unlock it, and on the other side, Janos is fighting for his life. But ever prepared as he was, Janos had the elemental forge to the door built within his sanctuary. So maybe if Raziel hurries to claim its power, he can save Janos. Try as he might, the obstacles in his way are just too many to be quick in his errand. It takes a great deal of time to reach the final forge, and by the time the Reaver has claimed it and Raziel has made it back to the door, it's too late. The Seraphim have disabled Janos with the Staff of Mobius, and it is Raziel himself who delivers the death blow to him. In all his Seraphim majesty, Raziel himself is to blame. It was a life before his vampiric awakening that he had no memory of and still held in high regard despite all else that he'd seen. But the human Raziel is the one who murders Janos Audrin and takes from his chest the Heart of Darkness, that terrible relic that would one day be placed into Cain by Mortanius to grant him unlife. And then, Raziel makes eye contact with himself and the confusion commences. The structure begins to shake and collapse, cutting their meeting short. But before leaving, the Seraphim swipe the Reaver. Janos has enough strength to tell Raziel to embrace his destiny and that he must get the Reaver back from the Seraphim. It was not meant for human hands. Though Cain wielded it for some time, it was meant only for Raziel. Janos dies in his own home, but remember, history does not accommodate change in itself outside of extreme circumstances. When Raziel spared Cain's life, the world did shake and pull at itself to rewrite history. Saving Janos Audrin is not impossible, even for Raziel. The repercussions would be massive, possibly world-ending. Changing the past is no trifling thing. This is what pushes Raziel to reject his former self and the humanity that he held so dear, seeing them slaughter Janos. It inspires a self-loathing that he had never felt before. 
Janos had waited centuries for Raziel to arrive. He'd safeguarded the Reaver as its guardian. He continued his lonely existence, and then he died for Raziel. And the Wraith cannot let this injustice be. He decides that he will kill all the Seraphim, reclaim the Reaver, and then find a way to get the Heart of Darkness back to restore Janos to unlife. The journey back to civilization brings a surprise, the Hilden. They too have ventured back in time, no doubt aided by Mobius, in an attempt to stop him. A certain Elder God is quite unhappy with Raziel, and this is how it is expressing itself. Now he has Seraphim and Hilden to tango with, but no one seems to be panicking about the giant demons stomping through human settlements. Once again, he stops to speak with the Elder God at the ancient foundation of the Pillars. One can't help but notice how small and feeble it looks compared to its future self. Raziel really began piecing things together, all the games and how horribly he'd been manipulated into every choice. But the Elder God doesn't have anything to say back. It just meekly lets him speak and then walk away, like a bitch. Raziel knows well the path back to the Seraphim hold by this point, and he cuts his way through human and Hilden alike to make his way inside. He comes across the Reaver, oh so conveniently placed upon an altar. Once again, he's drawn towards it, a strong urge to take it in his hand, yet he feels that deep dread in its presence again. And of course, who would have laid this supposed trap but Mobius himself? Staff in hand, he appears and immediately disables Raziel's abilities. And look at who's with him, it's Malik! Almost humorously at this point, Mobius villainously tells Raziel that he's not the old, doddering fool he pretended to be. He was orchestrating things all along, like, yeah, no shit, dude. The only person he may have been fooling at this point was himself, and maybe the Elder God, since that squid seems a bit dense. In this moment, something of great interest is beginning. Seems that Vorador discovered Janos Audrin's death, and he's bringing the pain down on the Seraphim and the Guardians. The slaughter has begun within the stronghold, and there's no one to protect the humans within from Vorador's wrath. Mobius and Malik do take their leave, the whole point of this sort of lost, unless the whole point of it was to say, Bwaha, I am the bad guy, Bwaha. With Raziel's blade disabled from the staff, all he has as a weapon is the physical reaver, and picking it up, he feels a longing from his parasitic blade to join the physical reaver. Using it against meatbag humans, Raziel feels the bloodlust of the blade, and they become more symbiotic. The blade heals Raziel's every wound. It's made him nigh invincible. In this warped account of history, Raziel joins Vorador's slaughter, and he cuts down the Seraphim leaders that he once called brethren and he revels in it. This is a sick comedy of sorts, and he can't help but appreciate the choices of Cain to raise them as lieutenants in the future. He finally gets the joke, and he quite enjoys the humor. They would be the future founders of vampiric clans, the very things they so strive to destroy. One by one they fall until he reaches himself, Raziel in life. He tries to reason with himself that he doesn't want to kill him, he just wants the heart of darkness. But man, in life, he was a real asshole. Kind of insufferable in his black or white outlook on everything. Like, if something wasn't entirely under his control and on his side, then it had to be destroyed. And when he did get his way, he took every opportunity to gloat over it. Such a tiring man. The two of them fight for a brief time, but the human form of Raziel really doesn't stand a chance. If Ego was the deciding factor, then sure, he'd beat Cheeks. But as a combatant, he never stood a chance against his empowered vampiric self. Raziel kills Raziel in the Seraphim stronghold. Then, the parasitic Wraith Reaver reappears to coil around itself and become one. It leaves Raziel feeling empty, hollowed. He's felt such fear of the Reaver in all of its forms, but its absence is a sorrow to him. Until the blade turns on him. It hungers for more, it wants to consume more, and the only one around is Raziel himself. The blade plunges into his own body, and he realizes that the presence, the soul that he had felt within the Reaver, it was himself the whole time. His soul could not consume itself unless he gave himself over to it. His soul was yet within the blade, but it existed without as well. It was a conflict that could not resolve itself, so he would remain here, stuck in this purgatory of pain and strife against the blade, until he was forced into submission. And then he would be consumed. Cain is not far away, drawn here by destiny to guide Raziel in his choice. Cain tells him to give in to let this process take place, to have faith in his own destiny. And he asks Raziel to trust him in this. Cain waits until the two souls of Raziel exist at certain points when the suffering Raziel was experiencing was at its height, and then he tore them apart. The Wraith Raziel would not belong to the Blade, at least not yet. He frees Raziel from that terrible battle, but in doing so, the third paradox took place. 
history rewrote itself to accommodate the event. The future they both came from was wiped away and new memories flooded into Kane's mind. Reality shook and warped as though this monumental change would tear everything apart. It was almost more than history itself could manage, but eventually it settled. It calmed. Reality would not fall apart, though it nearly did. This would not be a fatal paradox. The terror upon Kane's face could not be denied, however. He grasped at Raziel, and with fear he told him that Janos Audrin had to stay dead, for Kane saw in that future a resurrected Janos would become a plaything for the Hilden Lord. He would be used to destroy Nazgoth and bring about the return of the Hilden to the land, and then Janos would be fated to become the beast, imprisoned and tormented by humanity. The Hilden were at play in all of this, but before he could explain the terrible memories he now possessed, Raziel weakly fell back into the spirit realm, unable to maintain his physical form any longer. Alone in the quiet of this realm, the Wraith's parasitic reaver blade returned to him, the two of them once again at an uneasy truce. The physical blade was now in Kane's possession. As Raziel began to recover and breathe freely, he realized that he hadn't been saved from the reaver. They had merely postponed the devouring of his soul. He would one day belong to the blade, for history abhors a paradox. Kane, once again reunited with the Reaver, began his hunt for Mobius. He could not help or reach Raziel, nor would he try to coddle him. Kane had other things to see to, and vengeance is all his own to seek in this new history. Going through this timeline's Seraphim stronghold gives Kane ample opportunity to sneak about and feed, but Mobius the Time Streamer is nowhere to be seen. The empowerments he needs for the Reaver are available within the stronghold, and Kane has wisened up enough to acknowledge that nothing is really a coincidence. Convenience is a myth in this plot. Everything he finds, Mobius meant for him to find. Speaking of Mobius, Kane eventually tracks him down beneath the stronghold, having a conversation with the Elder God. Kane's presence was expected, and he knows precisely how and why he's here, Raziel. Well, Mobius tells Kane that it would be more accurate to ask when he is rather than where. Kane was never given the chance to fulfill his role as the Guardian of Balance, and Mobius sees that he wanted Raziel to succeed so that he could find that redemption. For all of Kane's cruelty to Nosgoth and to Raziel, he found a path forward that would give him peace, a humorous thought to Mobius, who can steal away Kane's strength with a flick of his staff. He deigns that Raziel will be his undoing, and that he will never fulfill the task that he was born for. But that's for Kane to discover. Mobius releases him and tells him to keep on going. He wants this game to continue, even though it's, it's all gone to hell over and over again. He'll play it time and time again until he gets his way, and he's counting on Kane to never cease in his hunt. Meanwhile, Raziel has been placed 500 years into the future, in the custody of a very irritated Elder God. In this time, Kane has not yet killed all the Guardians, though the pillars are very corrupt. What this era's Kane is doing in this exact moment is hard to say, but it is an approximation of when Raziel is. The Elder God wants Raziel to go back to the way things were, feeding into the Wheel of Fate, acting as its soul reaver. But Raziel has begun to take a special joy in defying the Elder God's wishes, and he hates being told what to do, so no, he will not comply with the Elder God's demands. So the Elder God tries to scare Raziel. The physical form of the Reaver is someplace out there with Cain, his enemy, and the Reaver will try to eat Raziel if he leaves the sanctuary of this prison. The Wraith has to admit, the Elder God isn't really too far off on this point, because the thought of the Reaver really does terrify him. He knows that it will be his doom, but that fate is no worse than lingering on here in this stalemate with only the Elder God as company. Better to face one's destiny than cower from it. Raziel feigns obedience to get souls to feed upon, and then he starts making his escape. The Elder God plays the game for a while, telling him that he can leave as soon as he does some errands for him, but eventually Raziel outsmarts him and actually makes it out of the lair, which really angers the squid boy. It might be a small victory and a bit petty, but a win is still a win. Now he's free to go where he pleases, well, mostly. Because he's being so disobedient, the Elder God won't allow him access to conduits that help him pass into the physical realm, so he's stuck in the spirit realm for now. And the longer he spends here where the Elder God rules, the more at risk he is of becoming a mindless thrall to him. The journey that ensues is of Cain's venture to find Mobius and reunite with Raziel, while Raziel tries to find a way of escaping his terrible fate. This once venture to restore the Pillars of Nazgoth and save the lands has completely evolved into something completely different. Kane is informed that Mobius was last seen within an old vampiric tower nearby. 
The journey is a pain that involves platforming, puzzle solving, and good old-fashioned murder. He finds part of a strange emblem en route that enhances his and the Reaver's abilities, but he doesn't know what it's for. The trip up the tower is painful, but the lead was a good one. Mobius is waiting for him at the top and tells him what that emblem piece he found was. It's part of the balance emblem, and it sure would be useful to him, the guardian of balance, should he find the other three pieces. Their conversation is perfectly predictable. Kane wants to know what Mobius is up to, Mobius wants to insult his every move and taunts his attempts to circumvent fate. Very predictable, with plenty of words that contain no substance. Yet of interest, Mobius puts to words an inevitability that Kane had not spoken of. Raziel, still, is going to kill him. Nothing really has changed. He cannot see Raziel's path, but he can see the ripples of every possible outcome, or so he claims, and in all of them, Raziel kills Kane. For now, Mobius says he's trapped Raziel where he can do no more harm to history. His soul must enter the Reaver, and he tells Kane to go west of the Pillars to see the proof that Mobius is telling the truth before he escapes the room. With no other options, Kane has to follow this order. What else could he possibly do? He doesn't even know where or when Raziel is. Back to Raziel, he's still trying to find a way out of the spirit realm without the aid of the Elder God. His search takes him to a crypt where there's a profound amount of what he calls ethereal gases leaking out of a tomb. Ugh. And in this, he sees an opportunity. Raziel sort of like jumps into the corpse and inhabits it, and then he bursts his way out. It's, it's super gross, but it's also a smart idea. He uses the corpse like a pathway into the physical realm, similar to what a particular Hilden Lord did at about this same time period, when he chest burst his way out of the Guardian Mortanius in order to kill Cain. In this far-flung future, there are still humans around hunting down vampires. This was about the time when Kane's life as a vampire would have begun, but things have been so mucked up it's hard to say if Kane even exists right now. Regardless, humans still roam the countryside hunting down any vampires that might still yet remain, all of them bearing the insignia of Mobius upon them. For all the killing they've done, they've never seen anything like Raziel. He looks like a demon to them, so he'll have to cut his way through the countryside as well. The reality of when he is sinks in when he spots the insignias on the hunters and he gets a chance to look around a bit. The pillars are still visible way off in the distance, and Ariel is certainly still there. The only issue is, the path to the pillars is barred shut and he needs a few empowerments to get it open. Alright, well, no big deal. Exploring nearby tombs and buildings, Raziel meets with cadavers that know his name and aren't very chill about things. But who or what are in these bodies isn't yet clear. It's, it's still too early to make assumptions about it. It's probably the Hilden. During his roaming, he finds an ancient traveler's gate, and it takes him to a long-forgotten place that the vampires of Nosgoth once roamed. Murals depicting events of their past are all about the walls, stories about the Reaver and how it would be wielded by their fabled champion one day. But that the Reaver had tried to consume his soul still confuses him. If he was meant to use it, then why did it try to nearly kill him? He finds that this place holds an ancient forge where he can empower the Reaver with one of the elements he needs. He may freely exit this place, return to where he started, and track down a second forge. But of exquisite fun, what should Raziel find next but Kane's own mausoleum containing his family's crest? And it's empty, so someplace out there, Kane is running amok doing God knows what. Raziel finding this is definitely not a coincidence, but that's a problem for later, unless somebody forgets that they wrote this into the story. Beyond another sealed door, Raziel finds a gate that takes him to another ancient vampire sanctum. More of his heritage is etched on the walls, terrible deeds of the past and the ancient one's affliction with the blood curse, but he doesn't yet understand why they were so driven to suicide after the curse took hold. Within these old walls is the other forge that Raziel needs to unlock his way to the pillars. There he can finally speak with Ariel and learn more about what time he's in. But back to Kane, some 500 years behind where Raziel roams, he too lands himself at the pillars. They're pristine, beautiful, completely uncorrupted. He knows that he will be responsible for what happens in the future, at least to some extent, but even now he has just a tiny bit of hope that he can change that future and see Nosgoth restored. Mobius had told him to come here to venture west, but exactly why is still unclear. At least until at the farthest point he can walk west, he finds an empty vista, with a strange statue built upon it. A piece is missing from it, and Kane thinks it looks like the balance emblem. So when Mobius mentioned finding the rest of it, well, he was definitely baiting Kane. But what other choice does he have? He has no way out of this time. He's pretty stranded here. The missing piece that he needs is, how fortunate, nearby. It holds within it the power of dimensions, and placing it back into that statue reveals that the mist upon the lake was there to hide an ancient citadel. Completing the emblem clears the fog, 
which really just... I'm... what the hell is even going on anymore? 500 years away, Raziel is on his trail, approaching the pillars finally. En route, he uncovers old vampiric haunts, learning more about their past, specifically more about Vorador and his role in creating the Reaverblade. Raziel had met Vorador some time ago, but had no idea just how important and involved he was in all of this. It would be an interesting point of conversation for these two, should they ever meet up again. In this era, Vorador is still creeping about someplace, so maybe he can go look him up. It's a bit of a walk with a few trials along the way, but he makes it. In this era, 500 years away from where Cain roams, the pillars are corrupted and falling apart. The one he's searching for is wondering about madly, Ariel. And this time, she's pretty outright awful. At this point, she's put all of her faith in Cain fixing things for her and believes that he'll sacrifice himself to save Nazgoth. Once Cain is gone, the vampire scourge will be completely eradicated and a new generation of guardians will rise. But of course, as we know, None of that happens, and her confidence in Kane fixing all of her problems is pretty poorly placed. Neither will change the other's mind, and Ariel is immensely irritated with Raziel's questioning of her plans, so he cuts to the chase. Where's Vorador? And in order to get rid of this pest, she tells him where Vorador's manor is, within the Black Forest, and then bids him a very rude farewell. It's another trek through crypts of fallen guardians and more murals of vampire history, each stretch bringing more peril yet a little bit more reward. Like, how about the elemental power of air? I mean, just how many empowerments has he gotten at this point? It has to be at least eight, right? But who are we to argue? Each one is needed to get past another obstacle in his path. This one will get him to Vorador's manor within the Black Forest. Now, back to Kane. He finds that the citadel he revealed within the fog is an old vampiric stronghold. It's been abandoned for centuries, yet it still had a regal beauty about it. Kane must search out more information about Raziel, yes, but in truth, he views this more as an opportunity to learn more about himself, specifically about his role as the Guardian of Balance. Beyond the dangers of the Citadel, Kane finds ancient artworks depicting the champion of the vampires that was foretold of, but he sees another, a champion that would doom Nazgoth through service to the Hilden, the vampire champion with the Reaver and the Hilden champion with the flaming sword. But according to this mural, the battle between them would end in the vampire champion's death. His way through the Citadel is complicated by warp gates, ancient combatants, puzzles, and broken statues that require emblem pieces to be found to proceed. And while Kane continues about his search, let's check in with Raziel. He has found Vorador's home, and now we can see just how beautiful it is, and well defended, and difficult to traverse. This place wasn't built to be accommodating for visitors. It's obstacle after obstacle after puzzle, and it makes one wonder just how the hell Vorador gets himself around this place if he wants to go to the bathroom at night. Does that require mortal combat and a wall climb? But I suppose it's an effective way to keep Seraphin out. It's one hell of a convoluted trip, but Raziel finds Vorador hiding, holding this era's reaver. He's not entirely thrilled to see Raziel either, not quite as cool and collected as the last time they had met, but the last few decades have been rough on Vorador. He's the only one left of his kind now. While Vorador made the Reaver, he doesn't control what it does, and he tells Raziel very bluntly that every prophetic hope the vampires once had has failed. He doesn't know why the Reaver wants to imprison Raziel. The only one that can answer that question is Janos. Vorador knows that Mobius' hunters will find him eventually, and there's really not any point in fighting fate. But he doesn't turn Raziel away. Instead, Vorador shows the wraith the body of Janos Audrin safely tucked away within a crypt. He has kept the corpse of his sire for over 500 years, uncertain but hopeful that he could be helped. Janos's body hasn't decayed because the heart is still out there. It's somewhere out there still beating. The Seraphim cut it out of his body and they treated it like a holy relic. The last Vorador had heard, the heart was at the Avernus Cathedral. Resurrect him and perhaps Raziel will get the answers that he seeks. At this time, the corrupted guardian Azimuth has opened the gates for the Hilden to invade the city. But Vorador also warns that an ancient evil is within the burning city, and Raziel must resist its influence. 500 years in the past at the Vampire Citadel, Cain is making his own discoveries. Mobius and Mortanius led a great revolt against the Ancient Ones centuries ago. Their hatred for the vampires spans countless human lifetimes. And for Cain to rise as a new guardian, a new vampire guardian, hundreds of years after their revolt began, oh, that was just too much for Mobius to take. Oh, so let's, let's all take a moment to feel so bad for Mobius right now. All right then. But cutting to the chase, Cain obtains all the pieces of the Balance Emblem, 
unlocks powers for his reaver, all that he needs to get to the heart of the citadel, and finds them all come together to form a key of sorts to open the final door of the stronghold. But at the last possible second, Kane starts to question if this room was sealed to keep the world out or to keep something in. And okay, you get two guesses as to who starts immediately talking as Kane nears the pool. That's right, it's our favorite squid boy, the Elder God. Well, the Elder God knows where Raziel is, or rather, when Raziel is. And Kane knows that given that era and where he's going, that he's going for the Heart of Darkness to resurrect Yano's Audrin. When history was last changed, Kane saw within new memories that Janos had to stay dead. Resurrecting him could be a disaster. Well, the Elder God tells him to just chill out because he can get him there lickety-split. He wants Kane to go there. He wants him to stop Raziel. Well, Kane really doesn't have a choice. After a heave-ho into the future, the Elder God plants a seed into Kane's brain. Raziel isn't his enemy, but Kane certainly is Raziel's, and he needs to kill Raziel before he does something terrible. I wonder if Kane will do what he is being told. Well, at least now the time jumping can stop, as Raziel and Kane are in the same timeline, and Kane knows exactly where the Wraith is now. The Avernus Cathedral is visible in the distance, billowing smoke and flame high into the sky. As for Raziel, he does not stop in the city to investigate what's been happening. He goes straight to the cathedral. For the most part, it's intact, but time will certainly change that. Quite strange that within the cathedral, Raziel finds ancient doors that can only be opened with the Reaver. Perhaps it was just an oversight by the old guardians. They lead to ancient vampire grounds, where Raziel learns more of the tragedy of the blood curse and of the hope that was lost when the ancient ones could no longer reproduce and were cut off from the Wheel of Fate. They were the wisest, strongest, most noble of the races, and yet they too were used by the Elder God as pawns to churn the wheel. And when they lost that ability, many sought oblivion. Once again, two more guardian spirits are destroyed and Raziel claims another empowerment for the Reaver. He's able to use it back in the main cathedral to make platforms that will help him ascend the tower. Yet, upon an altar, something disturbing lies. It responds to Raziel's approach and opens a way into the catacombs beneath the cathedral. In the dark underground, he finds another aspect of the ancient war, those of the victors. The vampires were the ones who started the old war in the first place. The Hilden refused to worship their elder god, and fanaticism drove them to violence. It was their own fault to begin with, and the war created atrocities that both sides were guilty of. And within these murals, Raziel sees himself as more of a demonic Hilden than a vampire kin. To make things worse, the Hilden are here as well, and are certainly no friend of Raziel. If they returned, all of Nazgoth would be doomed. Anything that isn't a fellow Hilden is a target. The constant confusion of identity, who the true champions were, what people were meant to do, what was fate and what was choice, has become so broken and convoluted at this point that even Raziel can't ponder what the game is anymore. It's like the roles that they're meant to play don't really matter. And in this moment of questioning, the Elder God decides to chirp in with more statements to throw him off balance. The squid tells Raziel that he is actually of the Hilden, and that he was never meant to be the vampire champion, and implies that Kane will kill him when he finds out. Even more troubling is the ritual taking place down here. It's the cult of Hashak Geek, who in truth is the Hilden Lord. They worship and make sacrifices to his name here to appease him, or something. I, I never quite got religious ceremonies. The one leading this little prayer club is the Guardian of Death, Mortanius, and he's looking pretty good for a man that's going to be dead soon. Of, of course, he would be contributing to this nonsense. Perfectly in line with his logic. I mean, Cain watched the Hilden Lord literally tear his way into the living world through Mortanius sometime in the, you know, the future. Anyways, now this gets a little wibbly-wobbly with the timey-wimey bullshit, so stick with me. What is in the pit is not actually the Hilden Lord. It's not the Hashak Geek. What is in the pit is something that the Guardian Azimuth pulled from another time and another place to act as her own fool that can control the cult and control Mortanius. What is in the pit is one of Kane's old lieutenants. Some of you more observant ones may have noticed that someone was missing from Raziel's original adventure killing all of his brethren. One short on the kill list, Terrell. He just wasn't around. And Raziel himself didn't really seem to notice. Well, that's because Terrell was here, brought back in time to this place. Terrell is a bit more than his brothers were. Still a ghastly monster, but he's more intelligent, stronger. Terrell was a useful fool for Azimuth because he looked like a god, and so he was worshipped as one. 
Hilden demons were able to periodically possess him and act through him, and the whole process was torment for Tyrell. The demons tear at him and he never has a moment of peace, it's driven him to madness, and in his hungry rage, Tyrell attacks Raziel in the pit. This particular former vampire is an interesting combatant. He's quick and aggressive, just a little bit dull. He's pretty good in a brawl though. It is a long fight with Tyrell in the pit, but Raziel eventually ends his terrible life. Even as he's dying, the Hilden that possess him take over to order Raziel to kill Cain. Tyrell's final words were taken from him, but at least now, he's free. A most unusual interaction is taking place just beyond the pit. It's Mortanius, and he's speaking with the Hilden Lord. Remember, in a short while from now, at least in the old timeline, the Hilden Lord rips its way out of Mortanius' willing body. But Mortanius says that this is all to help the vampires return as guardians of the pillars, because he's already put the Heart of Darkness into Cain's corpse, thus bringing the lost race back into existence. But aiding the Hilden, all just to fulfill prophecy about each champion's faction rising to combat one another? That is a pretty rough plan, my dude, and it is a massive gamble that involves the sacrifice of countless human lives. But then again, as Cain realized long ago, without the vampire's return, Nazgoth is doomed. So who are we to pass judgment on this whole scheme? Maybe Mortanius really just is trying to do the right thing in his corrupted, strange logic. He admits that he and Mobius were wrong to overthrow and destroy the vampires, so he's trying to take steps to undo it all. What is clear by this point is that Mortanius is tired and broken down. He doesn't fight against Raziel's questions and reveals to him that the Heart of Darkness is now within Cain. Bit of a shocker to Raziel. He needed that thing, and to get it, he'll have to tear Cain apart. Mortanius views all of this as his atonement, <coughs> and that in the end, Cain will set things right. After some parting words, Mortanius takes his leave to go to the Pillars of Nazgoth, where he will be confronted by Anacroth, the Guardian of States, who he will murder at the Pillars right before fighting Cain. Raziel is left to sit with everything for just a moment. Maybe he is of the Hilden, maybe Cain really actually was the foretold champion all along. Maybe he's been wrong all this time. Maybe Cain has been right. Does Raziel just exist to worsen the world? Meanwhile, Cain has arrived in the Cathedral. It's time for these two to reunite, and things are going to be difficult. They have been pitted against each other by outside forces and circumstances, but will they act on those influences? Well, Raziel is angry at everything, and Cain's words fall upon deaf ears. He tries to tell Raziel that Janos cannot be resurrected if they are to achieve the best outcome for both of them. But Raziel is so fed up with people's shit that he completely focuses on resurrecting Janos. Janos will have the answers, and all he cares about now is somebody just telling him the truth. And if that means playing into the part that he's meant to play for the Elder God, then who is he to care otherwise? Cain encourages him to keep his wits about him to think about what he's implying, and that he will not fight Raziel. Which really is just a joke to the Wraith. It's open season with the mockery now against Kane. Looks like this grand battle between two supposed champions is gonna default in favor of Raziel because Kane just won't fight back. How glorious, it's definitely one for the history books. So, Kane will raise his weapon and try to hold back Raziel's angsty rage. And it's quite a tango between them. Raziel fully intends to murder Kane here, but the elder vampire stops him in his tracks. He does not strike him down. Cain orders Raziel to listen to him. The Heart of Darkness must remain hidden. It cannot be used on Janos. So wait, Cain doesn't know where the heart is. He doesn't know that it's literally inside his chest cavity. Well, Raziel won't disclose that little bit of info. The location of the heart never really mattered to Cain, so why change that now? Raziel resumes his attack against the Guardian of Balance, intent now on ripping the heart from his chest. The intense need he has for clarity pushes Raziel into a hyper-aggressive state. There's no reasoning with him anymore, and he overpowers Kane decisively. The two begin to grapple, but Kane Dreaver begins pulling at Raziel's life force, draining him of power, such a betrayal to the Wraith, who pulls away and rams his hand into Kane's chest, ripping out the still-beating heart. And then he casts Kane away into oblivion. Now with the heart, Raziel can go to Vorador's home, carrying with him the suffocating feeling that he has played right into somebody's trap. At Vorador's home, Raziel finds that Mobius and his soldiers have overrun it, and they're waiting for him. That Cain is finally dead 
is righteously pickle-teasing for him. It's all he's ever wanted. And should he die soon, he'll do it with a smile on his face, returning to the loving embrace of his elder god to enter his rebirth. In what's arguably an extremely rare moment of honesty from Mobius, he discloses to Raziel that it's never mattered who they thought they were. Whether they believed themselves champions or fiends, vampire or Hilden or human, the confusion Raziel and Kane infused themselves with has only ever played out in Mobius's favor. Raziel's free will didn't matter in the end, or so he says, because every action he took played into a game and ended exactly how Mobius wanted, with the death of Kane. Mobius departs to see to Vorador's execution, leaving Raziel to further play into his plans. Luckily, or more likely by design, Janos's body hasn't been touched. Raziel finds his corpse, and without hesitation, he plunges the heart back into his chest. After 500 years, Janos Audrin is returned to life. When questioned about the nature of the Reaver, how it will act as Raziel's prison, his mistaken role as the champion of the vampires, about Kane's true nature, well, Janos is confused. In particular about the Reaver trying to imprison Raziel within it. it, makes him question if he maybe misread the prophecies. Things that seemed so black and white yet have been completely muddled. All Janos can do now is take Raziel to where his questions will be answered, the ancient vampire citadel. As they're speaking, the binding that is holding back the Hilden in the demon realm is weakening. It's a most perilous time in history. Though they lack time, Raziel refuses to move on until Janos answers his questions. The Ancient One tells him about their war with the Hilden, the terrible blood curse, how humans were selected to become vampires. They're all tales told many times over, just with a different selection of words each time. Janos at least confesses that turning humans into vampires was a terrible thing to put upon them, but there really was no choice. Humans themselves were just too inept to keep safe the pillars. What's happening now is a result of their inability to keep them safe. You know, just never mind that the ancient vampires were the ones that started the war with the Hilden in the first place. Janos gives Raziel a key to the sanctum below them and tells them that he will find more answers there if he can pass the trials within it. Venturing out alone throughout the many dangers of the Citadel, Raziel finds that chamber of the Elder God. And he has very little patience left for this dude, and who can blame him? The Squid Boy tells Raziel that he was never the champion, it was always Kane, but at this point, who cares? What does it matter? Its best attempt at stopping Raziel's progress forward is to lay its tentacles over the Spirit Forge in the middle of the room. It's definitely, technically, an attempt. Reaching the bottom of the chamber after repeatedly chipping away at the platform reveals what the Elder God was trying so hard to conceal. It's Ariel. Fully activating the Spirit Forge has drawn hers and every guardian of Balance's soul that has ever existed here. And with all those souls brought together, they can form one purified being within Ariel. With her corruption cleansed, it can be absorbed by the Reaver and it will purify the blade. But this is meant to help Kane, not Raziel. And he'd very recently killed Kane, so what about him? This is kind of confusing. He didn't really learn anything, so what was Janos expecting to happen down here? By the time Raziel has returned to Janos, this heir's Kane has defeated Mortanius and the Hilden Lord. And as they speak, Janos panics at what is unfolding. Kane rejects his own death to cleanse the pillars. The binding that's kept the Hilden back is weak enough for the Hilden Lord to jump into Janos Audrin. In an attempt to summarize how all this was planned out from the very beginning, let's let Mr. Hilden himself tell Raziel how this was all orchestrated. Well, Raziel isn't so enchanted by Janos anymore that he won't kill him to stop the Hilden Lord. Or at least, he could have, if he hadn't choked at the end. After all this, Raziel can't do what needs to be done, and the Hilden Lord smacks the hell out of him for it. He effectively kills Raziel, returning the Wraith to the Spirit Realm. And now, there's a rogue Janos Audrin Hilden Lord flying free. Oh, good. Well, this isn't the first time that Raziel has been a prisoner to the Elder God in the Spirit Realm. They've been through this pony show before, and Raziel refuses to allow the Elder God to keep him here. But to deepen the plot, the Elder God calls his servant, Mobius, to this place. But what of Kane? Ariel spoke of him as though he were alive and well, and well, that's sort of potentially true. Kane awakens in a shadowy place, without a heart in his chest. And voices are calling out to him, the Hilden. Kane has landed himself within the demon realm, surrounded by foes. Initially, they think he's going to be a tasty snack to munch on, but even without a heart in his chest and within a foreign realm, Kane can still hold his own. He's able to down the Hilden in their own home turf and make it back to the living realm through a convenient portal. It lands him underneath the Avernus Cathedral, in the pit where Tyrell once lived. He knows that at this point, he's too late to stop anything going on to the pillars. His only option right now is to go to the Vampire Citadel to seek out answers, but 
God, how is he even moving around without a heart? The Citadel is devoid of familiar life. Raziel is nowhere to be found, but in the pits of the stronghold is someone familiar. Mobius has responded to the call of his master, and he is very much alive again. Since Kane doesn't have a vampire cart in his chest anymore, the staff Mobius uses won't work on him. He cannot disable Kane. And the whole affair, at least for Kane, is very matter-of-fact and to the point. Mobius is going to die here. But how long will that last? Even Mobius finds it funny. He serves the Elder God, who has power over life and death. What does it matter if Cain kills him? He'll just be returned to life again. Mobius is flipped into the spirit realm, where Raziel walks. Seems Cain's return was unexpected. Mobius really thought him to be dead. He begins his prayers to be returned to life so that he may continue his work, but his groveling is cut short by Raziel and the Reaver. Running the old man through will release his spirit fully into the Elder God, returning him to the Wheel of Fate and allowing him to see the Elder God in all his squiddy glory. Seems that this wasn't quite what Mobius had imagined. The Elder God's Tinder profile was a little bit dishonest, and now Mobius is to return to the cycle of the Wheel to his absolute horror. The Elder God admits that he can't kill Cain or Raziel, but he can trap them. But all of this has brought an epiphany to Raziel. Seems the Ancient Ones had no idea the reality of the Elder God, the terrible thing that they worshipped. Their eyes weren't pure, they couldn't even see it. Raziel purified Mobius, made him see, and now he must do the same for Cain. Raziel uses Mobius' corpse to return to the living realm where Cain is, and lures him into running him through with the reaver that he possesses. Though Cain wishes to deny this path, Raziel tells him he cannot refute his destiny. He is meant to become the sword, though they tried to defy that path. He must be within the blade. He must be Cain's weapon, so that Cain might see and strike out against the Elder God. That terrible being is the cause of all strife, all pain, all suffering in history. Were it not for the Elder God, there would have been no vampire held in war. None of this would have ever happened. The rotten core of this planet isn't the vampires or the Hilden or humanity, it's the Elder God. And now it's up to Cain to cleanse that rot. With this act, Cain can now see the squid in all of its disgusting glory. While it's shocking, it's not frightening, it's eye-opening. This thing has caused all this mayhem, and now it's trying to trap Cain underground. With the Soul Reaver in hand, Cain can physically maim the Elder God. He has no problem hacking it to pieces, so Cain starts his assault. While he can't outright kill the thing, he can do to it what it intended to do to he and Raziel. He can cause it grievous harm and trap it down here beneath the Citadel. It tries to stop him, and were it more prepared for Cain's return, perhaps it would have stood a chance in trapping the vampire. But Cain disables the Elder God enough that it can no longer fight back. With little time left, Cain leaves the squid thing in the bowels of the Citadel to be trapped. Yet still it vows that it will return one day and it will claim Cain's wretched stagnant soul. But that is a problem for this new future. For now, Nazgoth can be freed from the influences of the Elder God. Cain now stands on the rubble of an old kingdom, all alone save the Soul Reaver. Raziel's soul is within, he will carry it with him for the journeys to come. This could maybe be enough to create a better future for Nazgoth. The two of them are together as one. Janos Audrin is still out there though, possessed by the Hilden Lord. Cain has seen a terrible future that could come with him existing unchecked. The pillars have been destroyed. Vampires are dangerously close to extinction. There's still wild uncertainty for this world. But with Raziel and the Reaver with him, Cain feels hope. It's a bitter taste of a terrible illusion, he says. But perhaps this time, they would get things right. <laughs>